We are in a series called The Conflict. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, Conflict? No, call it The Conflict. Say it like that, The Conflict. And uh, I opened, if you weren't here with us last week, I opened the series um, with just a little disclaimer. Um, you know, uh, I, I, we're going into some deeper things. And so uh, I, I'm going to push you a little um, more to mature. And uh, speak on some things that uh, some of you are like, amen. Some of you have been around, say, for 40 years, like, it's about time, preacher. And then others of you are like, man, I don't really know what you're talking about, but I'm, I'm okay so far. And so, but my goal is to raise us all up to where we make it to the end. Do you want to make it to the end? Say yes. yes. Amen. And so if we could just um, review for just a moment. Uh, by the way, any moment in time, you can go to our website, cough.us can't remember it at work. It's like not .org, not .com. We're .us because it's us. Anyway, uh, U.S. And, um, and, uh, and, and you can always listen to the podcast from the week prior. Or, uh, or Actually, I think you can go back and hear most of them for the year. And so last week we were talking about, and we laid the foundation of this message, um, about um, you know, people were asking me all throughout the week last week, what possessed a guy to go into a university and begin shooting people? And we see even more this week. What would possess a person to do that? And that's a great question. Because what is possessing them? And I can tell you what's possessing them. And last week we laid the foundation that there are two entities at work in the world today. And when I'm not talking about, you know, freedom versus communism. I'm not talking about Republicans versus Democrats. I'm not talking about white, Hispanic, black, uh, Anglo, uh, whatever versus each other. I'm talking about the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. God's kingdom on earth versus Satan's kingdom on earth. When Satan fell, we explained it last week, when Satan was cast out of heaven, he was thrown to this present life or this world in which we live. He evolves and lives in, a, in, in the second realm or the second heaven, that thing that we can't really see. Some people call it the spirit realm. But it affects the natural realm in which you and I live and see each other. We are called to be people of the spirit. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Romans says that we are to be not carnally minded, but spiritually minded. In other words, understanding spiritual things. Understand that there are things going around and happening around us, affecting us in the natural. And, uh, and so we laid the foundation for that last week and told you that there is a conflict that happens every moment of the day between darkness and light. Between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And there's conflict every moment of the day. You and I see that conflict. We experience that conflict. We're watching conflict played out on television. And you're saying, I don't understand why this person does that. I don't understand why this person at work acts this way. And I want you to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So it is my assignment from the Lord for the next few uh, weeks to train you, to teach you, to not only understand their is a conflict, but how to overcome and push the kingdom of heaven forward while pushing back the kingdom of darkness. Are you with me? Say yes. And in that, I communicated to you last week, this whole conflict is for one thing and one thing only, and that's the souls of humanity. The word says that he would, that none should perish, talking about Jesus, but all shall come to eternal life. I don't care about you, your belief system there. I, I'll fight you all day long. He didn't pick some to go to hell and some to go to heaven. He would that none should perish and come to eternal life. Whereas the kingdom of darkness says, no, I want them all coming with me. And the Bible says clearly that hell was not, was not fashioned or formulated for the people of God or for humanity. It was fashioned and formulated for Satan and a third of the fallen angels that we now call them demons. And their goal is then to pull everyone they will with them. And our rebellion, we just end up right there with them without even realizing it. And so there's this great conflict, clash, war happening. And so as we jump into this week, this week we're going to talk about defending ourselves in the midst of this conflict. Next week we'll talk about offensively attacking and we'll end out the series on the power weapons, which will be my favorite. And so as we do that, I want to open in prayer today and then we'll start into this lesson about defensive posturing, the defensive battle, how you and I can defend ourselves against the demons and the forces of evil and the kingdom of darkness. With that being said, let's pray in the spirit. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name.
Lord, into the life of every man and woman in this room. That every demonic force that's been pushing, shoving. Lord, the world system that they don't even realize is at work in them. And Lord God, they, they become so carnally minded. Figuring out just how to get ahead in life. Just trying to get through the end of the day. Not realizing that they are being pushed, shoved, manipulated, led. And, and, and literally knocked down by the forces of evil. And Lord, I pray that today would be an enlightenment, Lord God. And we pray that today that truth would come forth in such a way that we leave here knowing exactly what to do and so that we can be overcomers in the name of Jesus. And everybody shouted, amen. An elderly woman had just left Church on the Hill after having this amazing revival moment. She went home and there was a burglar in her house, big bowed up guy, muscles everywhere, shaved head, tatted all up, stealing all of her stuff. And just in a moment of passion, she told him, Acts 2.38, repent. And he just stops like that. He freezes. A little old lady walks over to the phone. She picks it up. She calls 911. She gets the Cedar Hill Police Department on the phone. They said, ma'am, we'll be there as soon as we can. They make, make their way over there. Takes them a few minutes to get there. The whole time, the man's just standing there frozen. The police department get there. They take the, 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 horrible, the, th- the thief uh, into custody. They handcuff him as they walk him off. The guy asked, the police officer asked, he said, let me ask you something. It took us a while to get here, and you just stood there. You could have run. You could have knocked that little old lady down. Well, why did you just stand there? He goes, oh, no, no, no. When she turned on the light, she yelled at me, I got an ax and two thirty eights, and you better stop right now in Jesus' name. We're talking about defending ourselves. Come on, somebody. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11 is going to be our key scripture. If you'll go ahead and turn your Bibles on and go there for me. 1 Peter 2 and verse 11. It'll be on the screens as well. It says, dear friends, I urge you. Everybody say, I urge you. Come on, say, I urge you. Yeah. As aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Read it again. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Let's break that down for just a moment as you kind of break these words down. He starts with dear friends. So what you have is Peter trying to help the body of believers understand there's a war trying to destroy you. Dear friends, dear friends, honey love, baby girl, okay? Look here, honey love. I just want to tell you something. And that's kind of the attitude here. He says, listen, as strangers, as aliens. Now, he's not talking about little green men with little, you know, metal things sticking out of their head. Or as Hollywood would, you know, have them, you know, living in dog suits and stuff like that. You know, come on, I saw uh, Men in Black too. He's not talking about that. Aliens are strangers. What What he's talking about is people from another culture. In other words, my mom and dad were missionaries in Germany, and so they moved there not knowing the language, not knowing the culture. And the first couple years of their life were miserable because they were foreigners. They were strangers. They were aliens. They weren't allowed to work um, uh, because, uh, and make money because they were foreigners. They were strangers. They were aliens. The Germans didn't let them hold jobs because that, those jobs were for their people. And so my mom and dad had to learn the language, had to learn the culture. They didn't know what it was like to carry the, the, the scar to carry in their soul the fact that they had had a Hitler in their background. My mom and dad didn't carry that shame, but the people of Germany did. My mom and dad didn't understand why they did things a certain way. They, did. they had to learn them. They were strangers. They were aliens. Are you with me? Say yes. And so he's saying to them, listen, as strangers, as aliens, we're Christians. We belong to this kingdom, but we're living, come on somebody, we're living in this kingdom. We're living in darkness. We're living in wickedness. It affects us on a day-by-day basis. Are you with me? Say yes. But we don't belong to that. We're, we're foreigners to that. And, and if we ever become comfortable in the things of this world, then we are no longer a stranger, but we are now part of it. Are you with me? Say yes. And so he says, listen, I, I remind you that you are a stranger. You are an alien. You, you don't fit. You, if you start learning their culture, then you'll become them. And so I remind you, alien, I remind you, stranger, listen to what I'm telling you. Look here, baby girl. Let me just remind you, baby girl, now. Now, you ain't supposed to be a part of them right there. Let me just tell you, little baby girl, this is how you're supposed to live. And he goes forward, and his next statement is, I warn you as aliens and strangers to abstain from sinfulness. 
to abstain from it. Oh, preachers love to preach about, you need to stop your sinning. Abstain, you need to stop your sinning. They love it. It's, it's like the best part of their day. The problem with that is that's not really the attitude here. Because he starts with, dear friends. Hey, baby, come here, baby girl. Listen, alien, we don't fit in here. So let me help you. Let's abstain. Let's abstain. Let's stop. Let's don't be a part of those things, those sinfulness, those sinful desires. And I'd love to break that down just for a moment for you to think about that. What he's talking about is this, is that you and I, every one of us, have a natural tendency, a desire for things. Some of you love chocolate. You love it. You wake up in the morning. Come on, Jesus, thinking about chocolate. I love chocolate. I have a tendency. Come on. I have a tendency towards chocolate. I don't know if my mom ate it when she was pregnant with me. I have no idea. I just love chocolate. I, it's a tendency. If everyone else is eating vanilla, I'm looking for chocolate. They're like, you want some ice cream? Do you have chocolate? No, we don't. Oh, anybody want to go get some chocolate? I mean, I'm, I don't really care for anything else. I have this aversion. I have this tendency. Come on, stay with me. Each and every one of you have a tendency towards certain sins. Somebody say, I don't know what I don't understand about them gay people. I don't understand how you can be gay. That's right, because you didn't have something in your life that caused that to be an aversion, a tendency towards it. But you know what you have? You got pride and egotism, and you got pornography all locked up in you. And you got your thing, and this one's got their thing. Come on, somebody. I'm speaking truth. And so he's saying, listen, baby girl, come on. Listen, dear friends. Listen, aliens and strangers. Abstain from what's naturally a desire for you. That's in this world. There's these things. Satan ain't stupid. He's not dumb. He's put all these things in the world system. Get, being rich. I mean, some of you, when you were a little kid, and you, when MTV used to have uh, videos, actually music videos on it. Remember those days? And you'd sit there and watch them. And you're like, man, I'm going to own a house like that. Yeah. And BET, you'd watch that, you know, and you'd be like, oh, oh, I'm going to be that one day. And now here you are, an adult with kids, and you're still trying to get you a jet ski because some black dude was on a jet ski with gold teeth and chains in a video, and you're still trying. Why? Because he put that, come on now, he put that in your life, it affected you, and it, and it touched a something, a natural desire in you. And so now that thing is natural for you. Are you with me? Say yes. And so what may be sin for you is not sin for someone else because they don't have an aversion towards it. They don't have a desire towards that. So he's saying abstain from those natural desires towards sin that each and every one of you have. Are you with me? Say yes. And then he continues on and he says this powerful statement, which war, war. We also, I've just been tempted. It's been so hard. No, no, this ain't a temptation. This is a war. This is a full on assault. The kingdom of darkness is full-on assaulting you and me, full-on assaulting us, and we're just like, oh, I just don't feel God anymore. It's so hard to be a Christian. I'm going to make up a new prayer language, peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter, jelly, peanut butter, jelly. Did that work? Oh, it's still so hard. And you and I have these, don't realize that there is a war. There is the kingdom of light. Are you part of the kingdom of light? Say me. Are you on God's side? Say me. And then there's the kingdom of darkness. You're not a part of that. Say no. But that darkness, that demonic force, that world, when you hear the word world, world in scripture many times, it's talking about the kingdom of darkness business. All that they're doing. Who, who, who Satan's tried to put in leadership here and had this happen to you over here and this person who molested you over there. They were all working, being manipulated and, pro- and propelled by the kingdom of darkness. Are you with me? And then it affected your life. And you were somewhere in between. Then you got saved, but you still have these desires, sinfulness. Come on now. These things that happen to you. These insecurities, these sexual temptations, these sexual appetites that came from the over there. And now that you're saved, you're trying to serve the Lord. But you just, and he's saying, abstain from these that war. And look where he says they do. They war against your, say it out loud, against your your mind, your will, and your emotions. Are you a Christian? Say yes. yes. When you die, where are you going? Yes. There's still a war for your soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's been such a tough week, Pastor. This has happened and this has happened. Oh, I bet it did. I bet it did. And this person did me dirty and I don't know what I'm going to do about them. You fighting the wrong battle, sweet love. This is a war against your soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. They're not the problem. And you keep being mad at the wrong problem. You keep fighting the wrong battle. 
You've got the wrong work. You're on the wrong playground. You in the wrong, you in the wrong chat room. You in the wrong fight. Uh, you, you, you're not even on the right mat. And that's what the enemy's beautiful plan is. Get us all fighting amongst ourselves. And then he just continues to propagate all his junk. Are you with me? Say yes. Let me show you kind of how this works out. Let me give you a practical illustration of this. Jonathan, will you help me? All right, so let me give you a practical illustration of this. So here we are. We love Jesus. We're so fire for God. And we've got just that beautiful life of ours. And we're so clean. We go to church. We read the Bible. Some of us went to Bible school. And so we know the principles of faith. And we study New Testament survey. And we pray in tongues. La, 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 la. And we just got a great life. And we know Carrie Job is our friend. And we just got a, just a great life. And, and we're so pure. But then what happens is we, um, we go to church, and the church, and we get amongst people. And the problem with people is that people have all these things about them, don't they? They have all these things that are on their life, and as we're just, be careful with Jesus' robe. <laughs> and as, and as, as, you know, people got all these things that are about them, the things that are important to them, the things that make them significant for who they are, and as we try to go through life, just going to church and now, guess what? I'm so full of insecurity. I got anger all the time. All I did was sit next to her, and now I'm ticked. Come on, somebody. All I did was go to church. You ain't even went to work yet. You ain't even went to work yet. And so what happens is you don't even realize, but now what was a beautiful, sweet life, now you've got insecurity all over you. You've got, look, you've got all money troubles because you're full of, you were full of faith when you gave your tithe check, and now by the end of the day, you're like, we're going to lose it all. We're going to lose it all. Mama called. Mama said we're going to be broke. How dare us give money to the church? And look, and not only that, you've been, you've been watching CNN, and CNN's talking about everybody's dying. Every school's being shot. Everyone's dead. <laughs> then you turn over. Where's my Fox News at? Where's Fox? Then you turn over to Fox News. Oh, my goodness. Obama's the Antichrist. The Pope is the false prophet. <laughs> The whole government has got a plot to make us all communists. I mean, 10 minutes of that, and you're like, I'm going to, I, I hate life. And then, you know, before you know it, you're all so full. Then you, so what do you do? You, you check, you get a little tick, tick, and you look down at your phone, and you got a new Instagram post, so one of your friends, and you look down on, and there's that girl from high school, that girl who bounced around and messed around with every one of the fellas when you was living righteous. Come on, girlfriend. And now here she is on the beach in Cabo, she got, she got plastic surgery. She's all fine and tan. She's got jewelry all over the place. Her husband's got a six-pack. This is her fourth husband. He got a six-pack. He's about 10 years younger than him. And you look over your old fat boy and go, what am I living? My life is miserable. Why be a Christian? Come on, are you with me? And all you did was go to church. See, here's the thing. It's because we're in this world, but we're not supposed to be of it. But being in it, it gets on us. Are you with me? Just by being in it, it gets on. It's depression, insecurity, doubt, unbelief, frustration, anger. I got, where's my little anger man? Did he fall? Throw my little anger man. Which one is it? Ah, there he is. Ah. Put him where you can see. Ah. He was driving home from work Friday. It was Friday. It was awesome. And what do you know? Some little Hispanic dude cut four lanes across. And slammed on his brakes right in front of you, didn't have a lick of tail lights. You ran into the back of him, scuffed up your brand new Civic. And before you knew it, you were standing on the side of the road. I will cut you. And he's going, okay. And you're part of the kingdom of God. And what's this one right there? Little Miss Depression. Pastor, just pray for me. It's still happening. What's still happening? Life. <laughs> well, yeah. Because there, there's a war against your... When you die, you're going to go to... Because what lives inside of you? Who? The Holy Spirit. Come on, we talked to that a couple weeks ago. Not Jesus. He seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession. I go to prepare a place. He came in the form of a man, resurrected with a new body. Okay, there you go. 
Holy Spirit living inside. So you have the Holy Spirit. So, you're, so the problem is you get just going through life. And before you know it, you got all this junk all over you, right? And so now you think God's abandoned me. I finally started tithing. Two weeks now, I've given 50 cents back to back. And my car broke down. The dog ran away and bit somebody. They sued me for $100. I can't believe it. Tithing of the devil. I ain't never going to tithe again. All because you forgot there's a war against your soul. At the end of the day, we win. At the end of the day, heaven's ours. The king of glory is seated and reigning in, in all of his beauty. And we are co-heirs with Christ. No matter what junk gets on us. Come on, stay with me. So now what I want to teach you to do is because you're living in the world. Things are happening. Horrible things are happening. There is a conflict, and that conflict gets our beautiful little white garments soiled with junk and the devil. And it's the devil. I work with the devil right there. There he is. That's the guy I work with every day. My boss is that guy. And so before we know it, we become that guy because we work with that guy. And what I want to teach you to do today is I want to give you two defensive strategies to overcome while living in the world but not becoming like the world. Come on, somebody. Are you there? Say yes. Jonathan, help me out, help me out of this real quick, bro, so I can share for a little bit and then we'll come back to it because right now I feel like the science guy. Y'all don't remember Bill Nye. He's like 100 now. Is he still alive? Yeah. You only know that because you watch PBS still, huh? All right, so let's go to our first one. So the first defensive biblical strategy is this, number one, and that is, put it up on the screen for him. Number one, preemptive through the armor. Write that down, preemptive through the armor. Okay, so it's inevitable, right? You're going to have conflict tomorrow when you go to work, right? You're going to have conflict just because you turned on the radio, You're going to have conflict. Satanic powers, the world system is going to begin to try to spew on you and affect you emotionally. Affect Again, what's your soul? Mind, will, and emotions. To affect your mind. Come on now. Your emotions, your will. It's going to be trying to affect the the, the kingdom of darkness. It's going to attempt to affect you all throughout tomorrow. By the time you get home today, already blah, 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 blah. So what I want to teach you to do is back up and let's be preemptive. In other words, I know it's going to happen. So let's prepare for what's about to happen. There's nobody who goes into a battle not prepared. Can you imagine that? Oh my God, they just dropped a bomb on us. I can't believe it. They just hit me. I mean, have you ever, I I, I don't watch it, but I know people who watch MAA fighting. I don't because I'm a man of God. Okay, I've seen a few. Okay, I've seen a bunch in my life. One of the things I love about MMA fighting is they come into the ring ready to get hit. You, you are a foolish. I love you. I love, dear darling, I love you, my friends. But you are foolish if you think that because you became a Christian, you're not going to get hit by the enemy. You need to walk into the ring going, let's go. And one of the things that they'll teach you in boxing and fighting, some of you guys are, are experts at this, is you're going to get hit. The goal is to deflect it where it doesn't make a solid impact. So they know they're going to get hit. That's why they're always bobbing and weaving. Because that, that thing's going to, they, they want to knock it, they want it to glance off. They want, don't want it to make a full compact. They, 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 they don't want the impact of it to be that detrimental. You know you're going to get hit. So the best way to handle that, Scripture prepares us for it. And says you're going to get hit, so let me tell you what to do. And we find this in Ephesians 6. Are you there? Say yes. Okay, it's on the screen too. It says, therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when you go to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go home Saturday, and Sunday go to church, you'll be able to stand against the evil there. I'm translating. So that when the day of evil comes, not if, when. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And having done everything to stand. Now see, it's talking about standing. Because in a fight, a defensive position, the goal is to keep standing no matter how many times you get hit. And many of the the big name fighters will tell you, I just need to outlast him. 
I know he's going to hit me. I know he's going to knock me around a good bit. But all I got to do is outlast him. There is real power in the satanic presence. There are real demons flying around. There are real uh, 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 momentum in the world system. It's active and it's alive. We see it affecting our government. We see it affecting our leadership. Come on, somebody. Our children and our grandchildren. It's working. It's got a plan. What we want to do, starting off, is a defensive posture where it doesn't have power over us and it doesn't knock us down. Are you with me say yes. And so then he continues on, and look what Peter teaches us. He says, stand firm then, verse 14, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Verse 15, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, uh, take up the shield of faith with which you can exhaust all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and, and requests. Those last two bottom verses, 17 and 18, we'll deal with next week because they're more offensive. This week we're going to deal with the defensive. So he starts with these pieces of armor as well as uh, applying it to our spiritual walk. So let's start with the first piece and that is the the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What this is referencing and talking about is you and I need to only go into situations where the peace of God leads us. Some of you find yourself in conflict every moment of the day because you step in it. People are arguing at work, and you get in the middle of it. You you create that. But but he's teaching us, listen, only go where the peace of God's leading you. When you're in the middle of something, and you're in a discussion, all of a sudden you feel the peace of God leave and lift, because all of a sudden there's a step out of it. Let the feet, the feet be shod with the preparation, that's King James, fitted with peace. Only go with the peace of God. Let the peace of God, which guards our hearts and mind, shall lead us through Christ Jesus, what the scripture says. And so I make good decisions every day based on the peace of God. I only get myself in situations, business dealings, things like that, that I feel the peace of God on it. I sense God's peace. I only step into something that I know the peace of God's in. I, many, For example, I've been offered to go back and, and finish my, my graduate level degree work. And, and I wanted to, and there was opportunity it was actually going to be free for me. And, you know, I just couldn't get the peace of God. It was brilliant. It was going to be perfect. It was going to be cheap. I couldn't get the peace of God on it. Are you with me? Say yes. Looking back, it probably would have burned me out and I wouldn't be your pastor by now. I couldn't get the peace of God on it. Didn't matter that it was an opportunity. I couldn't get the peace of God on it. Not every opportunity is the will of God. If you come from a little place in the middle of nowhere, any opportunity was the will of God, right? But you come to Dallas and it's like, wow. That doesn't mean it's God's will, and therefore you've got to learn to walk in the peace of God. Second piece that he lays out here, feet, uh, feet fitted with peace. Number two, the belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth is around your waist, right? And if you know anything about sports and anything about wrestling and things like that, wrestlers will tell you, and, 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 and sports people will tell you, it doesn't matter what they do with their head, try to fake you out, wherever this waist goes is where they go. For it is their center of stability. The waist is the center of stability. It's where, literally, it's where the torso and the, and the legs, the bottom pieces all meet. And it, it, you can kick your leg all you want, but wherever that waist goes. And so in basketball, they used to tell me when playing defense, he says, listen, don't watch his eyes, don't watch his feet, don't watch his head. Wherever that, wherever that bell, belly button goes, that's where you need to go. And I just follow that belly button. Like, it's like, dude, are you staring at me, man? What's wrong with you? I'm watching your belly. Wherever the waist goes, where I go. That's your center. And so what he's saying is, guard the centerness of your life, the stability of your life, the things that matter. Guard them with truth. Put truth around it. The truth. You know, some of you don't even know the word of God. You're hoping I'll tell you truth. We quoted Matthew last week where Jesus says, many false prophets and many false teachers will will appear and, and, and literally confuse everybody. And the love of most will grow cold because of all this. You need to know the word. You need to know truth for yourself. Stop listening to all these crazy old people and having these conversations in, in the break room with guys who, are, who don't even love God, don't know God. You can sense that they don't. You have any peace about it, but they make sense. Hmm. And the truth is being lost. And that, therefore, the Bible says like this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. People don't get free because they don't know the truth. They don't know the truth because truth givers aren't around. And so you and I need to buckle ourselves up with truth. That's why I'm constantly saying, read the word. You need to go ahead and download the Bible app, get it on your phone, and every day on the way to work, you got to sit in the traffic 30 minutes anyway, 45 minutes, listen to the Word of God. It will, he will read it to you. It's amazing. You can be as lazy as the Christians you ever wanted to be in this hour. 
and get the, still get the Word of God in you. It's amazing. Get the Word of God in. Get that truth around you. And gird up your, your, your center of gravity, your, center, your whole, you, you know, the whole stabilizing place. And then the next piece was the breastplate of righteousness. And now the breastplate would come, you know, from the bottom of the neck all the way down past the belly button. And what does the breastplate cover? What's in your torso? All the vital organs. And what's the most vital organ of all your organs? The heart. Do you know what righteousness is talking about and put on the breastplate of righteousness? It's talking about character and integrity. Your character and integrity will literally defend you and keep your heart pure. You know why I don't drink alcohol? Not because I'm scared it's, gonna, it's sinfulness, because the Bible's clear that if you be drunk with wine, that it's sin. But you know why I don't even sip of it? And I don't t- because I'm walking in character and integrity, so you can say my pastor's a real deal. Because, you know, I don't know if he drank six or he drank one. I'm not really sure, and I'm a little insecure about it. Come on, somebody. And so as a result, our leadership has made these commitments to the Lord, not religious duties, commitments. Because why? Because I want to be protecting the vital organs. This isn't about going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. This isn't about being better than everybody else. This is about protecting me. It's about protecting my children and my family, about having character and integrity. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. You know what God's doing with me right now with my character and integrity? Oh, I'm so terrible right now. I got a big crack in the, in, in the chest. Like, I, I just, the rules of driving are dumb. I need to get the chance to remake them. And so I struggle. When it says 70, that means 90. It really does. That's my take on it. And so I lack character and integrity there. And I'm working on that. I'm trying to fill that in, strengthen that, so that it's not a spot where the enemy can get to a vital organ. Are you with me? Say yes. Now you catching it? This is, this is preemptive. This is before you even got in the battle, guys. This is what he's talking about, getting dressed properly every moment of the day. And then the next one, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Literally, what's, what's in the head? The brain, the thoughts. He's talking about literally salvation, the helmet of putting on the helmet of salvation. I, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. So every day, because I'm a Christian, the helmet of salvation, I ask myself questions like this all throughout the day. What would Jesus do in this moment with this situation? That's what Christians do. So you know what protects my mind? I don't just do what earthly wisdom says. I ask, Lord, what would you do in this moment? What would you have me do? Would you have me give or hold back? Would you have me go or stay? And because I'm asking, what would Jesus, what did he do in the word when he was similar in a situation like that? That salvation, because I'm following him. That's my salvation. I'm following him. Not because I said a prayer. Not because I, uh, not I you know, I, I give at the church or I go, I, I, I help in the kids' ministry. I am saved because I follow him. These are my disciples if you obey my teachings. That's qualification. Anyway, good. And so, and so I put the helmet of salvation on every morning. Lord, what, what can I do for you? How can I be pleasing to you? What would you have done in this situation? And then the next piece, the last piece that's really defensive before, without uh, uh, leaving out the sword for next week, and that is the, uh, the, the, the shield of faith. Now, I appreciate, you know, the, the more modern concepts of shields, you know. You know, Captain America throws his shield. It hurts people and knocks their heads off and comes back to him miraculously. Uh, but in Scripture, it's not really referring to the fact that you throw your shield. You know, you can try throwing your shield on somebody else, and it's not really. A, you try to give faith to a kid. Try to give faith to your child. See how, how miserable you become and they become. Try to give faith to your, to your roommate who doesn't want to serve God right now, and you're trying to give them faith, and they won't have it. And so that shield of faith is not for them, it's for you. Come on, somebody. You can't give faith away. They've got to receive faith from the Lord. Come on now. And they've got to build it themselves, just like you have to build it. I, I'm, I'm constantly trying to build faith. I'm trying to constantly build it. It's always being eroded, and I'm always building it back. Come on. If you ever own land on the seashore, I'm constantly filling that faith back in as, as the world tries to suck it back out. I'm trying to constantly fill in faith. That's, that's life. And so the shield of faith, and it says that it may quench the fiery darts of the enemy, the Bible talks about. Because in Bible times, what they would do is as the armies were going out to attack one army about to meet the next army, the guys in the back would take their fiery arrows, shoot it over their guys, and shoot down on top of the, uh, the enemy. And what they would do to, uh, you know, to protect against that, they'd pick their shields up like that, and those arrows would hit, and then they had it covered with a skin that would literally put out the fire. Are you with me? Say yes. Are you, are you there? Say yes. And so what happens is all day long, the enemies of God, every little nymph, demon, 
Satan himself, and the world system that they created is constantly fireballing you and I, trying to keep us from believing Jesus is real, trying to keep us from believing it's worth it. Come on now. Trying to keep us from believing that there really is a heaven, that God created us, that he is the real creator, and not some little atoms falling into each other in the, out in the atmosphere somewhere, and then from there came these little tadpoles that turned into monkeys that turned into us. And they're constantly trying to bombard our faith, and you and I have to constantly be defending our faith and fighting against it. I can't defend your faith. I can only defend my faith. You've got your own shield of faith. Take it up yourself. Come on, somebody. And so that's why people come to church, and they'll hope that my big old shield will cover all of them, and it won't. You've got to have your own faith. Come on now. I can encourage you and equip you, which is my job, but it's not to do for you and protect you myself. You've got to protect yourself. And there is a kingdom of darkness that is at war. So preemptive. Every day, you and I waking up and saying, you know what, Lord, before I do anything else, I'll only go, I'll only go where the peace of God brings me. Lord, you know what? I, I put truth on today. Lord, I know a truth. This truth is that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. That, Lord God, you put all people, all authority you put in its place. So even though my boss is a jerk and a devil and full of demons, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to use me to work on him. I put that truth around me. He can't knock me down. He can't knock me back. He can't, can't take me out because he didn't put me here and he can't take me away from here. Come on, somebody. And so I'm trusting that you did that, Lord. You know what? I'm putting on that, that breastplate of righteousness. Lord God, I'm going to just do my best to, to develop character and integrity, Lord God. And even if they falsely accuse me, like Daniel, my character will stand in place. And at the end of it, all, they won't be able to, they won't win because my character won out. My integrity won out. Come on now. And then I'm going to put on my helmet of salvation and every day I'm going to protect my mind with thoughts like what would Jesus be doing right now? I am saved and I'm not, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And I'm going to take that shield of faith and every time something thrown at me, I'm going to quench it. Pow, pow, pow. No, God loves me. No, you're a liar, devil. I will put you back under my feet and I'm constantly quenching those things and I'm going to go through my day just like that. Now that's preemptive. Now let's go back to the next piece, and the second thing that we're going to do defensively, and that is this. Put our second one up there. So if preemptive is what, where we start, then number two is removing all the junk throughout the day that we were unable to keep from happening, even though we were preemptive, even though we did our best to serve God and love God, you went to work, and your boss is full of demons, or your spouse, or your kid, <laughs> or your parents. <laughs> And they just, they got problems. They got worldliness already on them. So since they're full of insecurity, just because you rubbed up next to them, guess what? You now got insecurity on you. Have you ever noticed that? The people that you hang out with, you start becoming like them? You do. I'm telling you. If you hang out with chickens, you're going to get eaten. If you hang out with eagles, you eat chickens. That's why I hang out with eagles. Chicken, chickens and turkeys end up on the table. Just saying. Anyway, so, so removal through worship is what I've learned to do. And I want to take you to this passage, and then I'll illustrate it. So look at this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's one of the earliest passages we see of uh, a demons literally uh, tormenting an individual and, uh, and how God uh, allows there to be help from it. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14 through 18. It says, now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Now let me kind of set the scene here. So David, little David... Is in his teens, early teens, and, uh, and, and, and he has been an, uh, anointed to be king secretively by Samuel. Uh, Saul, on the other hand, has been rebellious. He is the king of Israel. He's rebelled against the Lord. And the Bible says right here that the Spirit of the Lord has left him. And then they got this real neat verse, and it continues on, and it says this, And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now let me kind of set your doctrine straight. God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt. He did not send a demon to tempt Saul or to possess Saul. What he's talking about, and in the, in, in, there's no other way to translate the original Hebrew other than to say it like this, but what it's meaning is this. There were angels, a third of them, who used to belong to the Lord. An angel who had been a part of the Lord, who had been from the Lord, but now is away from God and is now a demon following Satan. So we could call it a backslidden angel that's now a demon. They're not sent by God because God sent them. They're, they're moving in on God's territory because God has removed his hand of protection. And so it says it like this. It says, and so Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting. Hey, demons are in you. How would you like to be that guy to tell your boss that? Hey, by the way, you have demons. <laughs> but I got a solution. <laughs> this is what they do. But we have a solution. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. Interesting. 
4,000 years ago, they knew how to calm demonic forces by getting people to worship God. Interesting. Play the harp. He will play. And when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, you will feel better. So Saul said, yeah, go do it. Verse 18. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking man. Wow, sound like me right there. All the new people are like, that dude is so full of himself. And the Lord is with him. Skip down to verse 23. So David went and did. They called David, and this is what happens. Says, and when the, spirit of, uh, when the spirit from God came, uh, talking about the evil spirit, from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Now that is crazy, but it's a biblical truth. First and foremost, how we're going to defend ourselves against this whole world system is that we're going to be preemptive by putting on the whole arm of God and walking therein. But there's no way you and I are going to get out of the conflict. It's inevitable. And there's no way we can be in this world, but not, uh, and there's no way we can be not of this world, but yet still live in this world. So we have to live in the world. And as a result, junk is going to happen. Depression is going to happen. Anger is going to happen. Insecurity. We start comparing ourselves. We start getting mad because we don't have enough money and we have all these issues. And there's no other way to say it than this. It's going to happen to you because you're bumping up against people who have it all over them. And have you ever hugged somebody? Have you ever had uh, shorter people know what we're talking about? You ever, short guys, you ever had some big dude hug you who hadn't, who hadn't uh, wore deodorant in about a month? And then you get it right there on your shoulder? And the whole time you're like, why do I, why do I stink? Because their funk is now your funk. Come on, somebody. And that's exactly what happens in the world in which we live. Your boss's funk becomes your funk. Your parents' funk become your funk. And you and I have to learn to remove it. So this is what the scripture teaches. So when you and I come into the presence of the Lord and we begin to worship him. See, what worship is, it's not so much about singing. It's about putting Jesus back in the lordship of our life. And so when you and I just come back into and hallelujah, and hallelujah, Depression has to go, and hallelujah. I don't care what the rest of them are doing. I got you, Jesus. And hallelujah. Lord, I'm so sorry about that fit of rage I had today. Just forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. And hallelujah. And our God raised. Lord, I trust you with my finances. Lord, I'm so sorry I've been trying to do it in my own strength. Because you are good, you are good, you are good, and your mercy is forever. Because you are good, you are good, you are good, and your mercy is forever. And as we begin to worship, all the funk of this life just peels away. Because we take our eyes off of what's not going right. We stop carrying the things of this world. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. If I could, I would. I'm sorry that your cousin is an idiot and wrecked your car. I'm so sorry. But you are good. You are good. That's just life. It's just life. And so why are you going to allow difficulty and depression to take you out of the game? For these things war against your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. I love you enough to help you. There are two entities at war, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. Jesus and those who follow him in his kingdom, and Satan and all the fallen demons and all the people who've been influenced by them and all the systems they put in place affecting the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God and all of its beauty pushing forward. Next week we'll learn how to push forward into the enemy's camp and take back what he's stolen. But this week, we have to start with learning how to defend ourselves because we're going to get it. 
and it's going to be on us, and we're going to have some stench. And that doesn't make you not a Christian. And that doesn't make you not faithful. Faithful, And I'm, I'm tired of old school charismatic teachings where you didn't pray enough, that's why this happened. You're not good enough Pentecostalism, and that's why you got to go get saved again. I'm tar- that's not scriptural accuracy. It's not. There's a wicked world and wicked, horrible stuff. Now, when you and I say, forget God, I'm going over here, and I'm going to live in this, yeah, we need to get right with God. And we need to repent, and we need to get delivered. But for the most of the men and women in this room, you're doing your best to serve God. But you haven't realized this junk has gotten on you just because you live. You're alive. And you live in this world system. But we're aliens to it. I don't want it. It's not mine. And so every day I'm learning. And I would love for you to learn. Go sit in your bedroom. Instead of staying up on Facebook all night long, go sit in your bedroom. Put on a worship CD and just let Jesus be Lord again. Let all those things peel off. Listen, that's why this church, we, we don't take the first 30 minutes of our worship service in singing just because we don't know what else to do. We're not trying to get past the worship service to get to the preaching. We're worshiping our God because when we put him on the throne of our heart again and we put all of our attention on his beams of light, his glory shines down and just peels off all that other junk and it's just gone. And before we know it, we stand there justified and we know that we're justified. We stand there pure and righteous, not because we're righteous, because he's righteous. That's why we worship every Sunday. And it's foolish of you to sit there. That's not wise, because it's in worship that those forces of evil are ripped off. They're literally brought down. The things of this world lose their power and their influence because we put him where he's supposed to be, the throne of our heart. I want you to close your eyes with me for just a moment. Here in just a moment, the worship team's going to come, and we're going to worship for about five, six more minutes. Because I want you to put into practice what I've taught you today. But before we get to that, right there where you sit, I've been communicating truth about these two kingdoms that are at war with each other. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. Last week we talked about how some of you are caught in between the two kingdoms. You won't make a decision. You won't decide whether you really want to serve God with all your heart or whether you want to live in the world and its system. You're smart enough not to want to go to hell, but you're not committed enough not to leave the kingdom of darkness. And everyone in this church last week said, that's it. I make my decision. My decision is serve with the Lord. No matter what it costs me, if I die, they come into the room and they stand people up and blow their heads off if they're Christians, and my head will be blown off. But I'm standing with the Lord. That's what we did last week. Today, maybe you're in this room. Maybe you weren't here last week. Maybe you were. I want to give you an opportunity to come to the Lord if you're away from him. If you've been away from Jesus, you're not a Christian. Maybe you used to be, but you've walked away. Maybe life just happened. You find yourself separated, divorced from Jesus. Look, I got good news. He's not mad. He's not angry. He's not harping on your weaknesses. No, he's standing here, arms stretched out wide. That's why the cross is the picture for eternity of his love arms always stretched out welcoming all who will if you're away from God or you've never been a Christian I want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus you say what do I have to do you just pray the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God that he then will respond to you and he will forgive you of all unrighteousness what he did 2,000 years ago will be appropriated to you and then you can be his with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're not a Christian, you're away from God, and today you want to come to Jesus, and I'll lead you in a prayer. I won't call you for it. I won't embarrass you, but I'll lead you in a prayer of rededication or commitment for the first time. If that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor. You're talking to me. Would you be bold enough and unashamed enough to say, that's me. Today's my day of change. By lifting your hand, I'll pray with you. Is there any in the room? Say, pray for me, Pastor. It's my time to get right with the Lord. I don't want to live like this anymore. God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you, sweetheart. Anyway, thank you, sweet lady. Anybody else? Pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Thanks so much for your honesty. You can put it back down. Make sure I see it. It's been three or four of you. There's five. Okay, God bless you guys. I see your hand. Thank you for your honesty. Six already. Anybody else? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not going to. Yes, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, ma'am. You're so beautiful. Thank you for being real, genuine. Anybody else? I'll give you about three seconds. 
We got to go get the kids so we can't stay very long. Thank you, son. God bless you, man of God. Anybody else? Okay, two, one. Amen. All hands are down. Those of you that lifted your hands, it's been about eight of you or so. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. That's all you got to do. That's all. He's already done everything else. And so with that, I'm going to ask everyone in the congregation to actually say it out loud with you. And I want you to mean this with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. No, do it out loud. Jesus, today I surrender my life, my desires, my wants. And I declare Jesus is my Lord. I ask you now, forgive me of all of my sin. Cleanse me from all the junk. Free me from all the desires. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and write my name in your book of life because I'm yours from this day forward in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for my friends who just made that commitment to you. The word of God says that the angels rejoice when just one sinner comes back. So Lord, I know heaven's going crazy. Lord God, I thank you for drawing these men and women here to this moment, opening their hearts. And I thank you, Lord, they responded to your goodness. Now, Lord, seal them. Seal their hope. Seal their confidence. May they feel grace like never before. May they sense mercy. May they be overwhelmed by your love right now where they can't even keep the tears back because they realized that they were wicked, that they purposefully went away from you. But you have gracefully embraced them back. And may that love be so sincere that it causes them, Lord God, to literally draw tears to their eyes. Now, Father, help us as a church. Lord, help us to be good defenders of our own salvation. Lord God, we realize that we live in a wicked world. That, Lord God, with all of its tendency, all of our desires towards the wickedness that surrounds us. And, Lord, we need your cleansing. Right now, as you've got your head bowed and your eye closed, some of you have been passive with this whole concept in Scripture about put on the whole armor of God. You just wake up every day and you go to work or you go to school and you just, you don't even think about the battle, the conflict that you're in. And so right there where you sit, I want you to ask the Lord to bring to your remembrance every moment of the day to re-gear up, to put the feet at peace, only go where the peace, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, shield of faith. I want you right there where you're at to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I have just run through life not realizing that conflict and the kingdom of darkness has been attacking and warring against my mind, my will, and my emotions. And I'm just so sorry, Lord. And I want you to help me here. Gear me up. Suit me up. May I defend properly that which is so precious. And that is my Christian walk. Give you just about 10 seconds. Thank you, Father.